0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Keith Harrison. Keith is a police officer of over 16 years. He's also the founder of Tear Response Apparel, which helps fund programs for mental health for first responders, specifically the Wounded Warriors of Canada. In this episode, Keith shares his story of overcoming mental illness, how he had to leave his work and how he found his way back. And in this conversation, we chat about how we as a collective and individually, and systematically what we can do to better support, normalize the conversations around mental health, and also to uh, end the stigma around um, seeking mental health support for our first responders and also our healthcare professionals. So grab your drink of choice, join us, you don't want to miss this episode. Hey Keith, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Jennifer, thanks for uh, having me on.
0: Thanks for being here. Um, I'm so excited to dive into your story and I'm I'm super happy to be to be behind your mission of supporting first responders and you know bringing awareness to mental health. So um, can you talk to us a little bit more about your story? I know that's where all of this started from so I'd love to know more about you.
1: Oh okay, well uh Let's not make this all about me, but uh, <laughs> if, if it starts off with talking about me, then uh, I'll just say that uh, I've been a, a police officer in uh, the GTA area for over 16 years, something uh, from an early childhood age that something that I kind of wanted to do to be kind of the guardian protector of community and helping people out if they were hurting, wanted to be the guy to help them out if they were having a problem, kind of wanted to be the guy to solve it for them or help them. Uh, solve the problem i just kind of being that all around like good person making sure good people were protected by bad right. um so that kind of got me into uh policing and uh it's been uh, really rewarding uh at the same time it's taken uh, a lot of me and from me um i uh, experienced some pretty early on trauma especially when um my uh, my ex and i were expecting our first Um, I was involved in an infancy, uh, death where I was the first officer on scene and really kind of changed who I was as a police officer earlier in my career and kind of stuck with me in unhealthy ways, uh, through all my three kids, uh, first and whatever. Right. So, you know, being up all night, hypervigilant, thinking like kids were going to die every night when they went to sleep or having to be awake because if something did, ha- did happen, I needed to be there quicker because I felt, uh, even though in my call, um, years of therapy afterwards, there's not much more I could have done. Been, couldn't be even closer to the call, all that stuff, all those parameters um, would have changed the outcome. Um, and it's taken me quite a bit of time to be able to file that uh, in my in my trauma folder. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's other traumas I've been experienced uh, and exposed to, that I guess with PTSD and what we don't understand or what we do realize understand later on is that for whatever reason, my brain, our brains, can take one scenario and not be able to process it, where you could do something that might be a little more horrific or whatnot, and be able to come away from that without any sort of um residual kind of stickiness to you So kind of going through a lot of all these things, um, I kinda of got to the point where I had accumulated enough trauma uh in two thousand eighteen where I was like, I can't do it anymore. And I had been pretty vocal telling people close to me as far as supervisors and whatnot that I couldn't do it anymore, that I couldn't train rookies anymore. I couldn't be on the road anymore because my entire career has pretty much been 911 response. Mm. Um, I just wanted to change. I wanted something different so that I could just not deal with the accumulation um, of of the calls and uh, just kind of depress and kind of deal with a lot of things quietly. Um, I say that quietly because I never really came out and said, hey, I, I think I have mental health issues because I was afraid of how I would be perceived or if they would put me in, in handcuffs and drag me off to the hospital because in some ways that's what when you tell a police officer you have much health problems they put you in handcuffs and take you to the hospital mm-hmm. um, and I knew I was struggling but I didn't think I was needed that or that would not have really helped my situation and then I just said that's enough and I, I almost left leasing knowing in a way that I don't know if I was ever going to return because uh now that i had kind of come out and said i'm struggling with mental health who would want me back yeah i was no longer strong or i was unable to hold it together i was broken um and when you are broken at times uh organizations and services at times think less of you or we've got enough out of this tool or this employee we'll just go pick up a shinier new one because we can't get any more out of this employee. Hmm. Um, And I think that's when a lot of my real healing began is when I got away completely from the job and focus 100% on my recovery, my healing, my pain. And I sit here today with a lot of gratitude. And I know that can sound really surprising to some people. Like, how do do you find gratitude for something or an organization or people that didn't help you? And I, like I say, feel gratitude towards them because they, for not helping me, I was able to be put into a position where, like I said, being off work, that's all I did was do therapy. All Mm -hmm. I did was get better every day. Um. And even though the results weren't there immediately, um, that's what, what my whole focus was. So I was gonna be half half asking it, giving it fifty, still having to go to work, still having to do everything with life, and then oh, do therapy, right? All I was doing was therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh got me to the point where I was like, Okay, well, let's give work a go again. So in twenty twenty one through doctors and uh, occupational therapists and stuff, we kind of came to the agreement like, okay, he's ready to give work to go again. And I made the commitment to myself full, full stop that I was going to go back 100% and do everything I could. And at the end of it, if it wasn't the same or if it wasn't something I enjoyed, because a lot of my time nowadays is what brings me joy, I will do. And if it doesn't, I don't do it. I just don't do it. And that's okay. Not doing something that doesn't make you happy. Um, So I was going back and if if work was going to make me continue to be happy, then I'd stick with it. And if it wasn't, that's okay. Because in 20 years from now, I couldn't say, well, you gave it a shot, right? Right. Like you didn't run off. You didn't get scared. You didn't play the what if game, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm still, still liking it, still doing it. Um, it's a different capacity. See, I'm not frontline, but I am still helping people back at work. And uh, you know, going back into that, I kinda made the also, you know, decision of what version was I gonna give the service and it was gonna be the my full authentic version. I was gonna give them who I was and my who I am is somebody that is not going to be shamed for having the demons that i dealt with um i didn't want people to feel that that's something that they had to choose to keep silent and if they were hurting i didn't want someone to feel that they needed to hide it and not deal with it or wait for it to be a perfect time to deal with their problems because we all know there's not a perfect time to do anything other than the present and now right like just you can get done, like just get it done now because holding off on that only prolongs the pain. So I kind of had this, I guess it's not vision, but this like appearance of like, I really would have benefited from somebody in the room in policing who I could see as okay, they were away for like a few years or they were away for a period of time and they're back doing the job that's pretty powerful. That's pretty, pretty strong. Mm -hmm. I don't see weakness in that at all. So I kind of want to just be that, that, uh, that version of, uh, of an officer um, that, you know, who's resilient, who has, uh, has gone through a lot of things at the same time. We're not weak for going through that stuff. We're not uh, the stigmas that are wrapped around going through stuff that, you know, leave all the rumors that you've had of me in the past where if i was really grumpy or angry or whatnot probably i was but i'm not that anymore so what changed right Mm -hmm. i always heard keith was this grumpy guy or this guy that didn't want to be around people like but look at him now like he's really happy or he's doing so many good things like well how did he get there right you know it's like almost like a weight loss journey like someone Mm -hmm. was overweight and they've lost all those weight well how did you get there people want to explore and see what you were doing so that they're able to maybe do that for themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I kind of like was thinking in a way, geez, I've had all these people and organizations help me through no cost of programs or whatnot. How can I give back a debt that I feel is unpayable because they've given me the gift of my life? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, let's, let's see what I can do. And all well, people wear clothing you know, live in a society where people not wear clothes and, Mm -hmm. you know, what can I kind of do so that I could sell some merchandise so that I could give back to the organizations and what would people want to buy? So I created a tier response apparel company and uh, with the full focus and mission on uh, having the brand and the apparel uh, be a, a symbol to invoke real Open dialogue around mental health. Have the brand and logo, and even the name, inspire questions and conversations that people will dive into. Well, what does that mean, or what, why that, or um, why the logo? I've chosen the logo the way I've, I've, I've designed it uh, to inspire conversations that so people are talking about. You know how they feel. Mm-hmm. and that you know we go every day as officers and first responders to go out and help other people why not we turn that lens on ourselves and really help each other because i think no one is going to get us out of the situation that we are in uh more so than the people around us
2: I and if more. we
1: stop and if we stop hating each other and bullying and bullying you know people for going through stuff, um, because it takes a split second and you could be experiencing those same things. So to have a lot of grace with people, um, and what they're feeling and going through, I think is also a a better way of being.
0: Sure. Actually, as you were just describing your apparel, um, is that hat a part of the the hat you're wearing that says warrior, uh, with, with with the eye highlighted? <laughs> I, yeah, so,
1: yeah. so I, that, that, the designs I did,
0: yeah, that, that triggers an emotion out of me for sure. So, uh, very cool. I love that.
1: Yeah. So, actually, that's a design that I, that I kind of put together where I, I think of anyone who is battling, um, a mental health illness, it's not a disease, mm-hmm. an illness that is waking up every day, like being resilient, you know. Doing the hard work that is therapy—that's so rewarding. Like you're a fucking warrior. Mm -hmm. Like that -hmm. is the definition of a warrior. That is resilient. That doesn't give up. That keeps going forward through adversity, through all these things, and changing the eye with a semicolon really emphasizes the mental health aspect. Because I really feel uh, if people don't know the semicolon and what the power I feel that symbol is to the community of mental health um, and to own to one's own um, wellness is super powerful um, and that we don't really have to see uh, the semicolon in a way where people a lot of people have tattoos of it where they've expressed or they've had suicidal ologies or attempted suicide you know they they have a semicolon and kind of take it back a little bit you know a lot of people think Gram- and a grammarly way, that uh, authors and writers mm-hmm. get all the glory with the semicolon, right? When they're writing their story and they have experienced writer's block, they're not quite finished expressing or saying what they want to say. So they insert the semicolon so that they can pause mm-hmm. so they can finish their sentence. I think a lot of times, and how I view the semicolon, it, we can take that mindfulness of the semicolon in our day to day life. And if we are going through, really happy time in our story or journey in our life and trauma or something happens, stress kicks in and we give ourselves the grace of inserting our semicolon so that we take the time to acknowledge our feelings, to acknowledge what's going on in ourselves and then take the opportunity to sleep if sleep is what you need. Mm -hmm. If you need therapy, if you need just to kind of take a pause or a break or just you know, whatever you need to do to insert, uh, good things in yourself, in your life. So that once we get past the semicolon, we're able to forge on better so that we don't end. We never want to have our story end, um, with the mindfulness of like mental health and the trauma that people, uh, at times think suicide is the only option. Um, and I battled those demons i I'm fully aware of how crippling our brain talks shit to ourselves mm-hmm. daily, especially mm-hmm. when we are going through traumatic events and if we're able to view suicide as not the option um, that you know if that is not ending any pain, it's only passing the trauma on to somebody else. Yeah, that's kind of why it's pretty big in all the all the apparel. So yeah, that's why I have it there with the warrior yeah. at this point because I think it's it's, uh, it's something that it it's it powerful and I think really people resonate with it. And it, again, it and if they don't, if they don't, they're like, well, why is that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, and it has conversation. It opens a dialogue, right? The whole concept of the brand of what I'm trying to do is to open the conversation around mental health because you know if someone's come up to you, you're wearing the apparel you're engaged in that dialogue for five, 10 minutes. Well, now we're just making it normal. Like we're just talking about the weather or or you went to the dentist today or you went to the chiropractor or like anything else because talking about how we're feeling shouldn't be a hard conversation. It should just be a natural state that everyone should be comfortable to feel like they can express that to anyone they come across.
0: Yeah. And I mean, in healthcare, um, we don't have a lot of time to process, we don't have a lot of semicolons within our practice. And we we just go from one um, situation to the next. And sometimes it's more traumatic than other ones, you know, we're experiencing that secondary exposure. Um, so I love the concept of the semicolon and just even being aware of that in our day to day life and, and practice, I think it just even just reminding ourselves of it, I think is, is really powerful just bringing that up right now and and the reason behind it. I think it's a, like you said, a, a connection for conversation, but it's also a reminder to just pause and that there's more to come and to continue forward. So Keith, tell me like when you so when you shared about why you got into like law enforcement and policing, it was simply to serve and protect um, others, right? So along that way, when you were going through your education and your training, were you ever prepared for the trauma that you were going to see and experience secondarily to to other people's, you know, experiences?
1: Um, I think we're doing a better job now with cadets coming on. Um, Because every time I open up and I talk to people at recruiting or at the collegiate level, um, when I talk to colleges and programs about You know, not to scare anybody away from the services. I think we need all members uh, and our services are depleted as they are. Um, So we need more people, not less, to handle the world today. Uh, But no, coming on, it was, you know, making sure you're physically fit. Mm Are you physically fit enough, you know, body-wise to do the, like, running and jumping fences and having to wrestle people and have to wrestle people? You know, it talked about making sure you knew the law and knew how the laws were applied and that you were applying them effectively and not going against that. There was nothing really to take care of what we signed up for. And Mm -hmm. that was the cliche kind of well, this is all part of the job. You signed up for this, right? You're gonna see this stuff, but it's all part of the job. Mm -hmm. Um and there was, you know, posters around the station and uh if there was something that came up, you know, hey, there's EFAP, you know. Know, chuckle, chuckle. You can use them if you want, but don't because, you know, we're going to go to the back parking lot and we're going to have some beers or we're going to go out to the pub afterwards and we're going to drink. So, a lot of the pain early on, I was just kind of taught in the environment to suppress it with alcohol um, and drink. And um, I wouldn't, if someone was to say, like, hey, Keith, like, you're an alcoholic. Al- I, I really kind of like held that in, right? Like I secretly drank, um, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really drink heavily around my kids. I disguised it when I was, would numb during the day so that when my family was around, then I would kind of be functional so that I would just kind of kill all sense of feeling, uh, good, bad, indifferent. I just kind of wanted to keep at that numb state. And go back to work and load up on it so that as soon as I got off work, I could just numb it again. Um, like I said, I I think we're doing a little bit better. I think uh more people are actually standing behind the poster talk, not just putting a poster up, hey, you know, it's PTSD awareness month. Um, let's talk about PTSD or hey, we support if you are having um, you know, post traumatic stress disorder or illness um, you should talk to somebody about it, but that's about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We, I did enough. I put that poster up. I gave my two minutes of lip service. Um, I can sleep well at night. And I think we need to get past just the bare minimum, um, uh, and take the true accountability of the effects of what it does to a human being who is a first responder 24 seven, not just when it comes to the eight, 10, or 12-hour shift that they they are working.
0: Right. And so when you say we... Um, I just want to break this down a little further into like ah. into into individual, so into our own personal responsibility to take care of our own well-being, into the organizational piece, and then into the systematic piece. If you can touch a little bit on that from your yeah. experiences, like yeah, if you if you had to go through this all over again, or somebody you know is going through this oh. now, like where do you think we could make those improvements? Where we're just not talking about it, like. I think, I think the awareness is there, like the stigma and all that. We're, yep. we're more aware of that now, but how do we get into action at all of those, those three levels, I guess?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great seven layer dip that we're, we're building here for sure. There's multiple yeah. levels of, of yeah. goodness, but I, I think from a personal standpoint is to be aware that because I guess for myself, looking back on it, because I'm a good person, I do good things. I'm bulletproof mm. of having to be exposed by bad, right? Bad is what I'm trying to make sure that doesn't happen to good people. But to be aware in your daily regimen that it's, uh, I do this daily every morning, to be mindful of my intention of the day mm. and not just to wake up and be reactive to what might happen. There's a lot that goes into Almost like the prehab, you know, when you're, uh, if we talk about, um, athletes, all the prep work that goes in before they actually go into game and then the rehab afterwards. Right. There's a lot of prehab that goes into our day, that goes into my day so that I'm going to be performing at an optimal level as I can be. And at the end of it, when I do reflect and I do my rehab and all that stuff afterwards, um, even acknowledging things I didn't do well during the day, just to acknowledge them, not to kick my ass over it, but just to acknowledge it, mm-hmm. just so that I'm more mindful of that tomorrow I'll try to be better at that. Um, mm-hmm. to really making it aware to cadets, to individuals who are coming into the services that you go to the doctor, you go to the dentist. If you're not seeing somebody about your mental health before getting on the job, you you better start. You better start talking to somebody before you're on the job. If you're having to make that investment financially with outside your benefits, if you have benefits to use it, uh, use them. Oh my God, if you have benefits for mental health, like for CSI psychologist, oh my God, do it. Right, mm-hmm. like it's yeah. free money sitting there for you to talk to somebody. Uh, but if that it's an investment that you have to make once a month to out of your own pocket, that's something that is going to be so beneficial to you down the line, especially if you're being a first responder. Because it's not if trauma happens; it's when trauma happens. You know, trauma happens to first responders at a greater percentage, anywhere from 800 to 1,000 traumatic events through somebody's. Career. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can feel that way during an entire week. You've come across 800 traumatic events over a course of a week, but mm-hmm. over a career, like traumatic events that are like unbeknownst to the regular population, um, is something that personally that we need to be thinking of as part of. Okay, can you complete the shuttle course? Can you be physically active you have to be mentally prepared? Um, from an organization point in the training. I really think for so many years, unbeknownst to emergency services, in the way that we train, in the way that I remember my cadet training, we've had an opportunity to impose amazing tools for uh, officers' mental health, and we just have missed the opportunity Mm. because my entire cadet training was based on you know, muscle memory, right? Doing things to the point where you do it so many times that you're doing it without even knowing you're doing at the time of crisis.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Imagine if we took the preventative and imposed wellness training at that level, at the infancy of cadets, at the infancy of somebody joining the career of a nurse, doctor, firefighter, paramedic, military, that we impose mental readiness, mental wellness, wellness on an overall level at such a rate that we are going to be able to do it because that's how our brains are wired, right? We're all wired to win. We're wired in a way of training to do things at a repetitive state of muscle memory Mm -hmm. that we're doing it at the time that we need to be doing it automatically and we're not even having to think about it
2: yeah yeah
1: like amazing like amazing to think that we have that opportunity we we have instilled the training that's how we do it let's Mm -hmm. impose that and I mean I think the residual you know ounce of preventative years a pound of cure like how much the community will benefit from first responders who are more mentally healthy right Mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to have per se the negative interactions you know yeah. you're not going to have officers snapping you're not going to have people you know being not holding their cool <laughs> in per se in times of crisis and stuff because they're able to emotionally regulate everything that we're exposed to a lot of times people snap a lot of times and i snapped it's not i'm not bad at what i'm snapping i'm mad at 10 other things i'm just using the opportunity of this small scenario to vent it out, right? And yeah. unfortunately it can come at times where it's the wrong setting. But I think from an organization point, if uh, if we do that at the very beginning and, and pose those good things, those good traits, um, that will better the entire world. Let's see, from a systemic point, I don't know if it's gonna happen in my lifetime. I really don't. I I I have a, a little boy. Um, he loves everything that is first responder. So uh, on days, if he's not dressed up as Spider-Man because he feels he got a bug bite, and now he's Spider-Man, and he can, he's just waiting for the webs to form in his body that able to shoot out. Um, he's a doctor. He's, he's, a, he's a nurse. He's a paramedic. He's a military guy. He's a police officer. He's a firefighter. He has all these costumes. He has everything he goes around and plays with if that's something down the line that he has the passion he wants to join any one of those k- careers i want to be able to know that i'm doing everything i can to change the the old guard per se of how well this is the way it's always been there's no point in fighting to change it because it is what it is and it doesn't need to be that way we can mm-hmm. invoke major change in the way we deal with our first responders because so much emphasis is always put on how first responders are always there for the community and a good friend of mine once said that he really is disheartened the way the service sometimes treats its members because he only wishes at times <laughs> that the service would treat the and imp- like officers the way they expect officers to treat the community
2: yeah
1: um and it kind of really it stuck with me because it really brought back a a job i had early on i was a an assistant manager at a burger king and my boss hated customers hated it he's the owner of the store like dude you own a restaurant (laughs) you hate customers like i I was always confused by that right but he's like my job is not to take care of the customers i pay you to do that my job is to take care of you because I know if I take care of you, you're going to take care of my customers. I won't have to. If I'm taking care of my customers, that means I'm not taking care of you good enough. Mm-hmm. So what can I do to make sure that you're taken care of so you can deal with my customers? And it, you know, it's uh, something that kind of stuck with me early on that I thought when I got into policing, well, that's how I'm going to be treated, right? I've had this amazing boss who's taken care of me a long time, making sure that I was good enough to take care of of his customers we don't do that in first responders we Mm -hmm. don't do that and it's not that you know agencies and organizations be like we don't care about the public um so we're not going to worry about them no he was just like i don't need to take care of of my customers because that's why i have you Mm -hmm. and i think if we really arm first responders in a way that we really take care of them i mean there's bosses i would go through brick walls for Wow without hesitation, right? Yeah. We all have those people in our lives that who take care of us into to a point where you don't know, question what they say, you never doubt them, you would go through a brick wall because they know that A, that brick wall is not going to hurt me or you know, there's that trust, um, there's that belief, there's that connection, there's that, that uh, full support of that person that regardless if anything does happen to me, I know they're going to take care of me
2: mm-hmm. or they
1: have my back right? Or when I go do something, I know I'm going to be supported. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times first responders and in, in across all medical fields don't feel that sometimes.
0: Right. And that's the whole culture of it, right? It, uh, in, you know, the loyalty has to go both ways. And, um, you know, like you said, you know, if you have a, an employer who's going to take care of you, you're going to also respond and reciprocate and, and um, take care of yourself, but also, have the well-being of them in mind, but also of your, the customers that you're serving or, the you know, the citizens that you're protecting um, and serving. So um, what supports are out there that are currently available for first responders? Like you, you've you expressed gratitude to the organizations who've helped you. Um, can you let us know what, what organizations are out there and who is providing support right now for mental health for first responders or any healthcare professionals? Yeah.
1: Um, so, um, I have made it a point to, um, dedicate the portion of funds through tier response apparel to wounded warriors, Canada, uh, Mm -hmm. wounded warriors, Canada. Um, I always kind of thought when I first heard about them was, well, I'm not a military member, so Mm -hmm. I can't benefit from their programs and services, but they have a first responders they're accepted, right? Like, If you're a first responder, uh, so police, fire, ambulance, corrections, uniform, civilian, you're able to access all their programs. And that's not just, uh, you know, trauma-based programs. There is uh, equestrian therapy. There's couples. Mm -hmm. You're a a spouse of a first responder. There's programs for you. Uh, If you're a child of a first responder, there's kids warrior uh, camps that they run uh, through Camp Maple Leaf. Here in Ontario, I know they run them coast to coast across uh, Canada and other provinces. Uh, They've done them virtually over the course of the pandemic so that kids have access to those. But there's things that are available for your your family. So um, I'm pretty supportive of them because, one, I greatly feel that a lot of my healing and journey was a result of being exposed and receiving the uh, programs of Wounded Warriors. But at the same time, um, they're there for the families of first responders and military as well. There's uh, a great organization that goes right across Canada. If you don't have a specific chapter to your organization, it's Canada Beyond the Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, uh, They're there for uh, the family members of uh, police officers. So uh, OPP, Niagara, uh, York, Durham, Toronto uh Calgary, Vancouver, they all have uh chapters. So if you are a Vancouver police officer, uh or a Toronto police officer or a Durham police officer, there's a chapter for you. But saying that there's the national chapter. So there's all the programs and service. So if you're looking for a doctor, I went through uh Canada Beyond the Blue to find my doctor because mm-hmm. I didn't trust or feel that I could trust my service when looking for my doctor because well, who writes your paycheck? Right, that's what I thought. Right, the service is writing their paycheck. Well, who's who are they going to be more aligned to? You know, are they going to be working for the employer because writes your check, or are they going to be working for me? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to find somebody that was outside uh, my agency. Um, and through Canada Beyond the Blue, I was able to uh, find my doctor, who I love. And like I said uh, before we talked here, I <laughs> came from a session with her and yeah. talked about everything because it's something again. Like if, even though I've got to a point where. I'm making it a focus and a point to help others. It's something that I don't do myself, right? Like, it's not because I've done a program and that's it. Right. There's a mindfulness every day that I wake up with the intention that I have to put in practice what has been taught to me daily to live my best so that my best can be helping others as well. And there's a lot of other programs out there um, lists off the top, can practice. Uh, Boots on the ground is another organization that is uh, a crisis hotline for first responders. So they're twenty four seven. If uh, you need, if you're distressed, if you are a first responder, you can call in Boots on the ground, and uh, there'll be somebody who's trained to talk to you on the phone. Um, and I feel the benefits of that not only just being peer support as well, but it's somebody who who gets first responders who gets who understands the culture that understands the jargon the lingo um when i was kind of seeking my doctor at the beginning i was kind of going to a few and i felt a problem when i was trying to express myself and um just the day-to-day operations of like the lingo at work i'm sure as a nurse there's jargon and lingo that you can talk to your employees and you guys all get and people are like what the (laughs) hell did you guys just say but to, to all your colleagues. You get it. Like that's just normal talk. What are you talking about? I'm not talking a different language. This is just how we talk, right? This is how we communicate. And you're able to kind of be in that type of situation where if you do talk jargon or lingo of your workplace, you don't have to explain it because that's the last thing I want to do is explain to you what I'm feeling. I'm trying to just trying to get it out. Yeah. And I'm having now have to like educate you on no, this is frustrating. And you can shut down. Um, So Boots on the Ground, again, fantastic organization uh, as a a crisis hotline for first responders.
0: I think I've heard of Boots on the Ground. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So there's a lot out there, but as many as they're out there, um, my goal also is to connect with anyone out there really that is doing something. Because unless you know me or you discover, you know, T-Response and my journey, I want to hook up. And learn more about other people, so that uh, you know. If I can't uh, financially be a, a benefit to help you guys out in any way, I'm able to be a part of you know learning, exposing your cause, letting people know that oh my god, you guys do this amazing work. How does not everyone know it? Right, like exactly. if people might bring up Beyond the Blue or Wounded Warriors. It's like how do you not know? It just it's reinforces the the duty really of making a point to get it out there to let everyone know. And if someone knows, oh, I know about that, right? Like you said, like, oh, I've heard of beyond the blue or um boots on the ground. Great. Right? It's just repetitive to know that, okay, it's almost, you know, validation for you. Like, okay, good. This person knows the boots on the ground because if they didn't, I would have brought it, right? Like, or if they don't know about this program, okay, well then I want to let them know. So that way, you know, if we're all thinking now and then we come across somebody in our past that's struggling, it's a resource that, hey, are you familiar with this organization or this, this, um, service that can help you out? Right. It's Mm -hmm. all getting that information out there to uh, let people know, because if not, we're going to have amazing organizations sitting there waiting, open signs flashing and Mm -hmm. nobody coming. Right. Like they're they're all there open, ready to help. Well, let's bring them everybody that they can handle because that's what they want to do.
0: And I think that's part of our collective responsibility is to share that information with one another, right? Uh, I don't think we can just rely on organizations to just do all of that for us too. I think we also have to take that. We just have to because there's just so much going on. I just think that we have to support one another as well where we're at um, doing things like this, right? Just connecting on a podcast or or whatever we got to do or, you know, guest speaking, Um, I think that is also, you know, powerful and probably even more so powerful because we get to hear more about people's stories as well um, and not just administering a resource (laughs) or sharing a resource. Um, Keith, tell me what are things, uh, you know, when you were going back to your story and you you mentioned that you kind of numbed yourself out with alcohol and that was kind of what everybody kind of did instead of maybe being a little bit more... um, I don't know what the word is, proactive or productive in terms of how to handle the real emotions or what was really going on. People just kind of numbed out and that's what everybody kind of did together. Um, What what advice would you give to someone right now who's working the front lines and whether they're a first responder or whether they're in healthcare and you know we're all we all like you said we all understand one another best we're all in the profession together we understand the lingo we understand the collective feelings of of you know being exposed to traumatic situations and and processing that um so what would be more productive ways to cope i guess you know how could we better support each other rather than um numbing ourselves out with like substances that maybe which is also quite common, mind you. Um, what are other ways that we can support each other that might be better for our well-being?
1: Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's everything that I want to be doing right now. Um, but I don't want to say it like a cheesy bumper sticker because there's so many cliches or bumper sticker stuff that people hear that kind of they moan and groan at. And first, responder community is a tough crowd to sell uh, yeah. when it comes to change. Uh, the whole concept is all. We don't like change, mm-hmm. um, but uh, one thing that I would try to make a point to everyone on the front line who uh, is working amazing, hard, doing amazing work, but at the same time, putting the mask on every day, struggling, I don't think there's a first responder out there that would treat a member that they're trying to help as as sometimes as our brains treat ourselves wow. and our brains talk like i said i've been there they talk so much shit so much negative talk uh to ourselves in what we're doing we never we're creatures that accept no praise for any of the work we do because that's why i'm doing it i didn't sign up for accolades i didn't sign up for awards i didn't sign up for medals i signed up because i wanted to make sure good people were protected from bad or if good people or people needed help i was the person there to help them like that's why i signed up um so when it comes to being praised for things that we're doing uh we don't accept them right we always think like well that's not what i'm again that's not what i signed up for but criticism <laughs> for someone tell you something bad that you did we're we're taking that we're Taking that ten pounds, adding it, hook, line, and sinker, and then we're negative talking that all day long, right? Like we're wearing that. We don't need to to do to do that. Um, and there's a way to making yourselves feel better. There's a way of making our, ourselves not feel the way that we need to feel. First, heard of like self care and stuff like that? I thought, like, well, that's just like getting your nails done and stuff. Like, really, like I really like. Like really, audit like you know, with the bias of it, like I like, feminized it, right, like I don't do yeah. self care, but there's so many things that we do daily that are self care mm-hmm. like eating, having great food, putting nourishing food in our body um one thing that I always did that i, I always joked with people, I kind of used it as a mask because if I looked good i I would give the appearance to people that I felt good, mm-hmm. uh, but when I go for a haircut i there's barber I call it barber therapy with my, with my barber. We've been together for like 15 years. I won't go to another barber. Um, But you know, we have that time where like, you're getting a haircut, you're taking care of yourself. It sounds cheesy. It doesn't seem like much, but it is right. Going for that workout, going for that walk, uh, going to talk to somebody about how you're feeling all these things that are self-care that we do, all these tools that we put in our toolbox per se that in times of stress that we that we 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 hold upon that we use on our daily whether it you know be uh, you know yoga or meditation or journaling and I think if there's anything that you do on in your day to day or that you could do in your day to day and I think this really emphasizes answering the question if there's something during your day to day that you can implement in your day that does not cause you harm. So it does not mean doing drugs or drinking. But if there's something that you can do in your day that makes you happy, that brings you joy, I don't care if the world thinks it's fucking stupid. If it brings you joy, if it makes you happy, if it does something to make your life better, again, doesn't hurt you, doesn't hurt anyone else, do it.
2: <laughs>
1: do it. Because it's about your life and how you want to be. You know, I love my kids. They, they are fantastic. For many years, I made sure they they were before me. I need to know, I know now, that in order to be the best for them, I need to put myself first.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I need to put myself first because I can't take care of my kids in the ways that I know I can be an amazing dad for them without first making sure that I'm cared for in a way that, that will give them better care right mm-hmm. like if i'm always caring for them i'm always exhausted i'm always doing things for other people That's what we do as first responders we're always doing it for other people and we get exhausted well then we got an empty tank and then now we're like not properly working and we're not well oiled or anything like that well then we're burnt out we're no good and then then what? right we're right. just pushed aside and moved on to something else where if we put those amazing things in first we're at a, we're at an optimal level that it's almost scary because yeah. you're in such a state of flow. You're in such a state of being amazing, right? Being amazing at what we're doing that it's almost like is this too good to be true? Like like it sometimes it's 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 scary, but it's a good scary because it's like this is like I always want to be like this, right? So right. we're you know making sure that we're uh, not chasing but staying in that state and knowing that you're absolutely worth it um i think that's all we can do I think
0: that answers the question. I don't know, I want no, that totally answers the question. I mean, I had um, someone on my podcast last week. I think the episode aired last week, and and she's and I love the way she said it. She said, "You know, self care cannot happen without a sense of self." And what you had said even earlier was that you you figured out who you really were, and that really like in, you know what you valued and, and really what you wanted out of your life. And I think like you knowing that now, like I just you know, rather than just going through the motions of life, like kind of going through the the things kind of mindlessly. Yeah, I just think it helps to protect us from, uh, you know, from trauma and from burnout and from compassion fatigue and and things like that, that depletes us ultimately, so that we can't be there for our family when that's ultimately what we want to do. (laughs) So, um, like you said, just going back to your point, just taking care of yourself and, and also like, the narrative that we tell ourselves, right? Like sometimes, like you said, our, our brain talks a lot of shit um, to us. And a lot of it isn't true, um, especially the negative pieces of it. Um, and we are harder on ourselves. I think, you know, in the healthcare world, um, than anyone can be harder on us in a way. And I, and I think we are our own worst critic. So I think leaning on others is really helpful. And, you know, that by doing that, most of the time, that you know, you're not going to hear hopefully that that negative criticism, but rather that support that you that you need. Um, and I think that peer support is really powerful. So I've always felt like if you had one person to count on or one person you can trust on the front lines, I think that goes a long way um, on top of what you can do for yourself. So how can we support you right now, Keith, in your mission in tear response apparel and you giving back to wounded warriors? What can we do? Um, as listeners to, to further yeah. propel your cause. Yeah.
1: Without, cause it's never about, you know, the cell. Uh, right. If I people get that. uh People resonate and they, 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 uh, they connect with the brand. Like, uh, like you said, with like, the warrior, liking a semicolon in there with the eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they uh, just kind of, you know, see what your response is about what I'm about, what, what, the what my brand and mission is about to help others. Um, and know that if you choose to be a part of TIER, that, uh, you know, you knowing that when you purchase, you know, we're donating funds to Wounded Warrior Canada for their trauma program so that uh, we can have those really massive big check presentations of giving, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about giving. And at the same time, when you wear the apparel, um, you know, it's something that hopefully in time through hard work and letting people know about tier response about the apparel um that when a first responder sees the apparel they're connected to it because it speaks to mental health and first responders it speaks that you are a first responder or you support the welfare of first responders knowing that hey when you did buy that you were donating to great Uh, Organizations and charities, but that you're somebody, an ally that I can talk to or have a conversation about mental health, or you're going to be somebody who wants to be a part of the movement to open the dialogue about mental health. And that if you're wearing the warrior brand of tear response or any of the shield or the maple leaf logo that I have, you're open to have those conversations to help others. Uh, and be a, a deliver of uh, of the message that uh, that I that I want to be, so that you know if someone is struggling, they can talk about it. They don't have to hide it in. Uh, I'm choosing to recover loudly because uh, for so long I did it in silence, and I know when I did it in silence, uh, it was super painful, not only me but everyone around me because uh, I wasn't my best,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I'm working myself to be that way. And I hope that uh, if people who really do uh, care and uh, want to be a part of the change for mental health, uh, for first responders and all that, uh, they look at uh, my brand, they can resonate, and connect with it and want to be something they can want to
0: support. And what's the um, website, Keith?
1: It's coming uh, right now. We're on social media, uh, <laughs> yeah. Instagram and Facebook. So it's uh TR underscore apparel co on Instagram and TR apparel company on Facebook. Um, and then when you go on to our social media sites, the link is there for the online shop. Um, but the site will be uh, www.tiergear.ca. We'll have the website. So uh, not only will have the online store, um, but again, everything that we're doing as far as highlighting um, who I think are uh, champions of people who have uh, lived experience with uh, mental health, um, I, think you're, I think you're a fucking champion. If you're somebody or an organization that is doing amazing work, helping first responders and people in the healthcare community, uh, I think you're rock stars. So we have a, a highlighted page where we make sure that we make sure that you know people are aware of Like I said, organizations and services out there that are available to members uh, at sometimes at no cost, Um, because the last time last thing you kind of really want to worry about is budgeting. Uh, You know, if that can do a program when really all they're asking for you is to show up uh, and be present and take it from there.
0: That. Well, thank you so much. I just want to take a moment to thank you for all of your years of service. I want to thank you for taking the time for yourself for getting well again, and for, you know, finding your inner resilience um, in your warrior, and coming back to service for us. Um, and now Sharing your story to help others and you know move this forward for everybody. I just I think it's amazing. So I, I'm happy that you're here, and I thank you so much for for sharing with everyone. And I wish you all the best.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, I I can healthily say in a healthy way that uh, I I'm at a point now where I generally accept uh, good mm-hmm. comments towards me and, and don't shuffle them off because I I feel the more people I connect with, the more people like you that uh we're getting the message out there the better uh the yield will be for everyone Um, so it's it's about a bigger cause but i am more than happy to do my part and dedicated myself to do my part in being a a part of the change so you're pretty good at what you're doing there too so uh please keep doing what you're doing because uh, you're pretty awesome too, Jennifer.
0: Thanks, Keith. I appreciate it. So I hope everyone checks out your site, your socials and shows their support at least and at least has the conversation with others.